Today we're going to continue through the Gospel of John, and I'll give you a heads up, we're going to be doing that for some time, as it's my intention to travel through this Gospel. Last Sunday we dealt with the reality that John begins as Genesis begins, <clears throat> in the beginning. Today the Gospel of John reveals God's plan to become a man. Now, I want that to sink in for a minute. <clears throat> Today, God, through the Gospel of John, reveals God's plan to become a man. And that he's not just going to become a man, but he's going to become a man and enter the world that he created in the beginning. John doesn't reveal this through the Christmas story, as the other Gospels do. No. He reveals it differently than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John 1, verse 10. Here we go. He came into the very world He created. He, the Creator, enters the very world that He created. But the world didn't recognize Him. How could you not recognize the Creator of the world? Re really? How big would he have to be to create the world, to speak into existence the universe, and yet you don't recognize him? Because he didn't look like a creator. That's the answer. He looked like us. And I can look at you, and I don't suspect that you created the world. He looked like us. He came to our world, but not just anywhere. Listen carefully. He came to our world, <clears throat> but He didn't just come anywhere. He didn't just come to anyone. He came to the land that God promised to Abraham, specifically. And He came to the family of Abraham, specifically. He came to the Jews, and what did the Jews do with this Creator come from heaven? Understand that the Jews were considered God's children. Time and time and time again in the Old Testament, the Jews, the Israelites, the Hebrews, were, were called what? The children of God. The children of God. That's their title. Everyone is God's creation. Let me say something. This is really important because I see a New Age movement that is counter-truth. I can say today that everyone is God's creation, but not everyone is God's child. So the modern word, the modern coexistence statement in the world is, we're all God's children. You'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. We are all God's creation. Every one of us in this room, everyone on planet earth, we are all God's creation, but not everyone is considered God's child. Not everyone will be able to call Him Father. Everyone is God's creation. The Jews were called the children of God. In fact, the Bible says specifically that he gave them, the Jewish people, the right to be called the children of God. The right. 
this land. So, so he comes not just anywhere, not just to anyone. He comes to the, the place of Israel, to the people of Israel. This land was from God and this family relationship was from God. A special people living in a special land. And listen to what God said as he led them out of Egypt into this promised land 1,500 years before God becomes a man and moves to the earth. 1,500 years before, in Deuteronomy 1.30, this is what God reveals. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. They're coming out of Egypt. God is giving his people, his children, this land. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you. Just as you saw him do in Egypt, and you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. There it is. This is not random. Just as a father cares for his child, now he has brought you to this place. What place? You're going to cross the Jordan River. They're going to enter Canaan. They're going to enter Israel. Israel's going to enter Israel. Why? Because God's got a plan. His children in the promised land. He came to the Jews, and what did the Jews do with this creator and father come from heaven? What did they do? He comes specifically for them, specifically to them. And what are they going to do? Verse 11, he came to his own people, and even they rejected him. The world doesn't recognize him, and even the Jews don't recognize him. So what will God the Father do? Here comes the point today. He came to his own, and his own did not recognize him. He came to the world. The world didn't see he's the creator. The Jews didn't see he's the creator. So what's God going to do? He's going to do what he came to do. He's going to make a way for mankind to be saved. He's going to make a way for mankind to see him, to recognize him, to know him. And here we go, here we go. For mankind to be able to look at him and call him father. That's what he wants. He's going to come and make a way for us to call him father. It's called faith. It's called believing. And if you'll believe... You're given the right. And by the way, nobody has this right unless it's given to you. But if you believe, you have this right to call him Father. How do I know? Verse 12 and 13. Here we go. But to all who believed him, to everyone who would accept him. Who, who's him? Jesus. To all who believed him, to everyone who accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. He gives it to you. It's a gift you got to believe him. you got to accept him. But he gives you the right to do what you could not normally do. He gives you the right to become the children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. He started it. He's going to finish it. What? He's given out the right to be called the children of God. Everybody is God's creation, but not everybody is God's child. But he's passing that out. John reveals that the Creator comes to the earth. Why? With a plan to give us the right to be called the children of God. It's called faith. Faith can make you a child of God. This is big, and you can do it. 
It's not outside your reach. You don't have to be incredibly smart. In fact, it's my experience that the really, 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 really smart people struggle the most with it. I wonder if that's why he chose fishermen. I'm a fisherman. You see, it's not based on your physical birth. It's not based on your genealogy. It's not based on your financial status. It's not even based on your works, what you do or what you don't do. It's based on one thing. What? This idea that you can become a child of God. You can look at him and call him father, and he can look at you and call you, that's my child. That's my boy. That's my girl. They belong to me. They're mine. You know how? Faith. What does it mean, faith? Hold on to your hats because this is how he does it. Verse 14. I'm just walking through the first chapter of John. So the word became human. <laughs> that is so big. What? The word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Everything that was made in the beginning was made by him, for him, and through him. Well, who's him? The word. And this verse says the word becomes human. The NIV says the Word becomes flesh. The Word became a man. The Creator became a man. And made His home among us. He didn't just become a man, He became a man and moved down here. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. God became a man. It's called the incarnation. That's the churchy word for it. It's called the incarnation. The Word became flesh, and the Word was in the beginning, and the Word was God. And God became one of us, and He moves into our neighborhood. He doesn't just move into any neighborhood, though it's all His. He moves specifically into the land of His children, Israel. How is this possible? How could the creator of the universe become a man? I mean, let's be real. How can the one who can speak into existence the sun and the moon and the stars and the Milky Way galaxies and eternity and ideas beyond our human comprehension, how could he become a man? That's what she asked. Her name was Mary. She didn't get it either. In fact, she says in Luke 1.34, Mary asked the angel who's telling her, this is what God's going to do. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Please listen, church, to what I'm about to say. Mary says, how can this happen? How can God become a man? How can he make me pregnant? And the angel says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. So push pause, and I'm going to ask you a question. If the Holy Spirit's what came upon Mary and got her pregnant, why don't you call Jesus the Son of the Holy Spirit? Because you acknowledge, whether you know it or not, you acknowledge that Jesus, that God, and the Holy Spirit are one. That's why we don't call Jesus the Son of the Holy Spirit. Even though, let me read it again, verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, 
to be born will be holy and he'll be called the son of the holy spirit no that's not what it says he's going to be called the son of god but it's the holy spirit that does it what that plants the seed of god inside of a virgin's womb so everybody in the room most people my experience don't struggle with the idea that god and the holy spirit are one so when the holy spirit comes to mary and makes her pregnant you don't think, well, that's really not God's son, that's the Holy Spirit's son. Because you acknowledge the oneness of both of them. But when it comes to Jesus, the man, can he be one with the Father? God becomes a man. You see, the Word doesn't just show up on our planet. He didn't just come to be coming. He comes bringing something he comes with unfailing love, unfailing, unending love and faithfulness. He's bringing it. Who? To whom? Who's going to get it? Who's going to receive it, believe it, open it, experience it? Who? His children. Only his children. He comes filled with grace and truth. His life purpose was to distribute his grace and truth to the world. Do you want some? If I look at you today and say, do you want this unfailing love and faithfulness? Do you want this grace and truth that God sent His Son to deliver to planet Earth? Do you want some? Did they? Did they? You think anything's different today? Did they want it? Do you want it? Or do you want it on your terms? Everyone wants grace. Let me make an announcement. I've got 100%. Everybody wants grace, but I have found that very few people want truth. Everybody wants grace. We've seen the glory of the one and only who comes from the Father, filled with grace and truth. Grace and truth. You want grace, but do you want truth? Can you separate them? You see, the word's name is Jesus. The Creator's name is Jesus. The name of grace is Jesus. The name of truth is Jesus. He is the only Son of God, but He came with grace and truth that would make a way for many to become sons and daughters of God. He came offering us the right to look up to God, his Father, and call him Father. That's what he's offering you. That's what he's offering me. That's what he offered them. I'm going to repeat verse 14. So the Word became human, and he made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. NIV calls that grace and truth. And we've seen his glory. Have you seen him? We've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Have you seen the glory? <clears throat> if I ask you a question today, have you experienced this glory? Have you encountered this glory? Has this glory touched your life? Because I'm going to tell you, he touched my life. One thing is going to become very clear from the Gospel of John. If you have encountered the Son then you have encountered the Father. No book in the Bible covers this in detail like the Gospel of John. If you have encountered the Son, 
you have encountered the Father and the Son's name. Are you ready? Say, uh huh. And the Son's name is the Word. Go figure. If you've encountered the Son, you've encountered the Father, and the Son's name very clearly is the Word. Is it hard to grasp? Yes. But truth has always been hard for us humans. I read the book. And why? Why is truth hard for us humans? Because there's a liar that, that's done something to the very nature of the children of Adam. Satan did it to Eve in the beginning. She believed the lie. She rejected the truth. And ever since then, something's happened to us. Something on the inside of us. Since that time, all the children of Adam have leaned toward the lie. I want to say it again. Since the Garden of Eden, all of Adam's children have leaned toward the lie. We don't lean toward the truth. That's a lie. We lean toward the lie. Even when faced with the truth, we lean naturally toward the lie. I'll prove it to you. Do you have to get up in the morning, any morning, and say to yourself, you know, I'm going to really try to sin today? Please don't say yeah to that, that question, because I'd be stumped. Do you ever wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm going to make it a point to sin today? Well, no, you would never say that. But you know what? You don't have to, because you lean toward the lie. It comes natural. You don't have to work at that. You know what you have to work at? You work at holiness, because we're leaning the wrong way. We don't lean toward truth. We lean toward the lie. We're bent. The children of Adam are bent toward the lie. It will be that way. It was that way in the beginning, and it's going to be that way at the end. Do you doubt me? In the beginning, all of the sons and daughters of Adam lean toward the lie. And in the end, we will lean toward the lie. I'm going to read to you a scripture the Apostle Paul writes about the end. Actually, this will be during the tribulation. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9, this man, he'll be a man. He's going to be the Antichrist. You think he's going to lean toward the truth? No. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. Counterfeit signs and powers and miracles. He will use every kind of deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Because how would, you, how would you get on that way to destruction? What is it about that way to destruction that would have you walk on the way to destruction? Because you don't know it's the way to destruction. If you knew it was the way to destruction, you'd get off that road. Yes, you would. He will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power, signs, and miracles. He'll use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Why? Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Here we go. They refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Maybe you're in the room today and you're that person. They refuse to love and accept the truth that would save you. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived, and they will believe what? Lies. 
And then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than, what's the alternative? Truth. If you never find this Jesus, the person, if you never find this Jesus, you will never find this truth. You can't separate them. You can't say, I found Jesus, but you don't know the truth. They are the same person. If you hear of this Jesus and reject his message, you have accepted the lie. I know there's a lot of people that hear of this Jesus. They know his name. They've heard about him, but they reject the truth. They're following a lie. So God's plan was to send out people with the message of Jesus, the message of truth, delivered to mankind because of God's grace and unfailing love. John the Baptist was one of those who carried the truth of Jesus, and this is what he said. He was born for this purpose. Verse 15, John, <clears throat> John the Baptist testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. Now, now if you're like me, you've got to read that kind of slow. What? What did you say? This is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than me, but he existed long before me. Now, how can you be after him and be before him both? If you were in the crowd today, would you have gotten it? If you were in the crowd today, and John introduces Jesus, and he says, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. He's coming after me, but he was here before me. Would you have gotten it? Do you get it right now? I'm asking you. Do you get it right now? Before me, Jesus had a six-month head start on John the Baptist. Excuse me, I said it backwards. John the Baptist had a six-month head start on Jesus. John knew who Jesus really was. Do you know who he is? When you know the truth about Jesus, following him will no longer be an issue in your life. When you come to the conclusion of John the Baptist that he was before me and he's after me, then worshiping him is no longer your concern. Why? Because of the next verse, verse 16. From his abundance, this is John the Baptist again, making a testimony. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness, there's the grace and truth, came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. What? No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son is Himself God and is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Do you believe that? Three powerful verses. Do you believe it? Every good, in, every good thing that you have ever known or ever will know finds its origin in Jesus. Some ask me, and, and you've heard it said over and over and over, especially in times of tragedy, why do bad things happen to good people? And I'm going to tell you, when somebody says that to me, you know, the first thing in my mind is, why do, you, why do good things happen to anybody? Why do bad things happen to good people? I'm going to say, no, no, you're, you're looking at it wrong. Why do good things happen to anybody? 
why do you automatically assume that good things ought to be yours? You see, the Jews in the Old Testament, they received the law, but now you and I have been offered the unfailing love and grace of God through Jesus Christ the Son. No man has ever seen God except Jesus. No man has ever seen the fullness of God except Jesus. And He is the way to not only see God, but to experience God and His presence in eternity. He is the way to be able to look at the Father and call Him Father. It's at that point, that's after verse 18, that the Apostle John writes down the testimony of John the Baptist and I want to read it to you, 19 through 22, those verses. Here we go. <clears throat> this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem out to the wilderness to ask John the Baptist, who are you? <laughs> that, that, they wanted to know, who are you? You're a strange guy. Who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well then, who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? Nope, he replied. Are you the prophet we were expecting? Nope. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself, John the Baptist? He said, I'm not the Jewish Messiah. I'm not Elijah. He's not even the prophet they were expecting. And I want you to understand something about that. There's some question about who, who are they referring to? Moses says that God in the future is going to raise up one like me from our own people. A prophet like me. Moses announced it. They're thinking, are you it? Nope. These Jewish leaders knew all the Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah. They knew that the Bible said that Elijah's coming. They knew that a prophet's coming. They knew the Messiah's coming. Are you it, John the Baptist? Are you it? Nope, nope, nope. John clearly states he is not any of those. And then he reveals who he actually is. Here he comes. Verse 23. John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah. And by the way, the prophet Isaiah predates John the Baptist by over 600 years. But his answer is in the eternal nature of the word. He said, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, if you aren't the Messiah, if you aren't Elijah, and if you aren't the prophet, <laughs> What right do you have to baptize people? Show me your credentials. John told them, I baptize with water. Here it comes, here it comes. Don't miss the sentence. Can you imagine standing there that day and this comes out of his mouth? What right do you have? You're not the prophet? You're not Elijah? You're not the Messiah? Well, what gives you a right to go baptizing people? He says, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd. What? What? Right here in the crowd. It's not, he's coming, he's here. Right here in the crowd is someone you don't recognize. He's standing here. Through his ministry, excuse me, though his ministry follows mine, 
I'm not even worthy to be his slave or untie the straps of his sandals. And he's standing right here, and the creator, the I am, is standing here, and you don't recognize him. Would you recognize him? This is a really serious point of the sermon today. Would you recognize him? Do you recognize him right now? Do you think everybody's going to recognize him? You think everybody did? Everybody will? Everybody does? Recognize him? Oh, well, let me give you a test, okay? Here we go. Here's the test. I'm going to answer, I'm going to answer the question for you. Do you recognize him? His name is the Word. And he is the Word. Do you recognize him? Let's see. Let's see. Do you recognize him? Because there's still a whole lot of you probably in this room today who still don't. Do you recognize him? His name is the Word. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Oh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, I recognize him. Do you? Do you? Even though there is a voice shouting in the wilderness, you won't recognize the one he shouts about. John says it. There's one standing among us right now, but you don't recognize him. Even if somebody shouts about him, that doesn't mean everybody's going to recognize him. All of this discussion between John the Baptist and the religious leaders was taking place in an area where John had been preaching and baptizing many believers. Verse 28, let's keep moving. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. John, the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, most of you know that part, but listen what follows. He's the one I was talking about when I said a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am for he existed before me. I, John the Baptist, what? I did not recognize him. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. There was a time that John the Baptist says, I didn't know he was the Messiah either. John's life purpose is being fulfilled in verse 29. What? He makes a statement. What's the statement? Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the voice crying out in the wilderness. What's he crying? He's here. He's here to take away the sins of the world. John announces to the people that the one that comes after him is actually before him, long before him. And even John didn't recognize him at first. And how did John get to where he could recognize him big point big point big point how did john get to where he could recognize him how will you get to where you recognize him how do you know it's about to be revealed it took the holy spirit to reveal it to john and it will take the holy spirit to reveal him to you today john 1 32 i'll prove it to you then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting on him, on Jesus. John said, I was there. I saw the Holy Spirit come out of heaven and come down on this man. 
I saw it with my eyes. What did he say before that? There was a point that I didn't recognize him as the Messiah. What won him over? What revealed Jesus as Messiah? So here comes the Holy Spirit. Here comes the Holy Spirit, verse 32. I didn't know he was the one. But when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me. Who told? God told John. Through how? Through the Holy Spirit. The one whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with what? The Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus. So I testify. What? He is it. He is the chosen one of God. Why? What, what won John over? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. The Holy Spirit revealed Jesus to John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit is the power of God to reveal the Son of God. Later in the Gospel of John, Jesus two times talks about the Holy Spirit doing what only the Holy Spirit can do. Do you know what that is? Reveal Jesus to you. In fact, let me read them both to you, just briefly. In John 6, 44, Jesus says this. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. No one means no one. Can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. How does the Father draw them? How does the Father open their eyes to see who He is? And at the last day, I'll raise them up. You'll want that on the last day, by the way. You're going to want Him to raise you up. Now, go down to verse 63, same chapter. Jesus says, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But you, but some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would, be, who would betray him. Then he said, here comes the second time he does it. That is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. John the Baptist didn't know who Jesus was until the Holy Spirit opened his eyes to see Jesus as the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. But what did John do after that so so i've revealed to you through the word that no one's going to come to the son and re recognize that he is the son of god unless the holy spirit enables you to see him but what did john and what did you and what do i do after that because there's the question today after that he never stopped talking about what the holy spirit the truth had revealed to him what about you right now do you recognize him you see, something I found in the Word is once you recognize Him, once the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to see Him, you will never be able to stop talking about who He is. In some way, some shape, or some form. That doesn't mean everybody becomes a preacher. That doesn't mean everybody gets a pulpit. It doesn't mean that. But it means that once you have encountered Him, once you have the Holy Spirit has revealed His person to you, you're going to not talk about that? The, the biggest thing in all the universe, and you, you're not talking about it? 
See, I'm convinced that you can't stop talking about it. Why? Because it's so much bigger than anything else you're talking about. After that. If so, you, if the Holy Spirit's revealed Jesus to you, if so, you, like John, will not be able to keep that to yourself. You won't be able to hold it in. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't just drop by and give you a message. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, I don't know what you thought the Holy Spirit was going to do. You think he's just going to come swoop into your house and drop a message. Jesus is the Messiah. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Have a good day. And he goes out the window. He doesn't just come by and give you a message. He moves inside of you. He comes inside your temple. He takes up residence inside of you. And he reveals Jesus. And if he's inside of you revealing Jesus, the outside of you is going to be revealing Jesus because he's inside of you. The Holy Spirit reveals truth. And if the Holy Spirit leads us into a life of truth that reveals truth, What's it look like? Verse, I'm, I'm going to jump forward, John 14. Still in John. John 14, verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. It's the Holy Spirit. If you love me, if you love me, I'm going to give you an advocate. I'm going, to give you the whole, I'm going to give you the counselor. I'm going to give you the spirit. And he will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. And what's he do? What's, he, what's his role? He leads into truth. He changes your leaning. The world cannot receive him. That's why I tell you that not everybody is a child of God. The world cannot receive him, the Holy Spirit, because it's not looking for him. It doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you, and later he will be what? He will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. Here comes the highlight. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's with you now. Later he's going to be in you. No, I'm not going to abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Who's the Holy Spirit? Who's the Holy Spirit? Jesus. He said, I will come to you. I'm coming. So let's look at the order of events recorded in the Gospel of John about John the Baptist while he was baptizing near Bethany. Here we go. Day one. If you study it, here's what you'll conclude. Day one, he had an encounter with the religious leaders and they asked him, who are you? Day two, he proclaims, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And day three, something happens. It's a change. John's disciples. Did you know John had disciples? He had followers. They called him rabbi. They called him teacher. He was a teacher. John's disciples on day three are about to be called by the Holy Spirit to follow the Lamb of God and not follow John. They're going to leave John and start following Jesus. And what does that look like? Verse 35. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. 
As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. Now who's with John the Baptist? Two of his disciples. Look, there's the Lamb of God. He's pointing out Jesus. What are they going to do? What's those two disciples who have been following John now? What are they going to do? Look, the Lamb of God. Verse 37. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Makes sense to me. Jesus looked around and saw them following, and he says something that to me almost looks out of character. He looks at the two who have now left John and says, what do you want? I would be like, excuse me, what do you want? They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And then Jesus says something that is quite in character. Come and see. That's the title of today's sermon. Why don't you guys come and see? It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him for the rest of the day. What do you want? So I want you to visualize something today. Jesus stands over here and he looks at you and says, what do you want? What are you going to say? So what do you want? Would you come and see what he's got? John the Baptist had just revealed the Lamb of God to these two guys that had been following him. And then Jesus says, what do you want? And what does the Lamb of God say? What do you want? Come and see. Can we take a moment to deal with those two items here today? What do you want? Let's start there. What are you seeking? What is the purpose and the calling of your life? If somebody were to look back over the last six months of your life, what would they assume that you want? Can I give you a hint? I believe what you want is what you're seeking. So what are you seeking? I don't know about you, but I, let's be fundamental. I want life. So if Jesus says, what do you want? I, I've already practiced it. I practiced it in case it catches me off guard. What do you want? Life. Eternal life. And I must say that I believe most people want life, but that's not really the question, is it? Where can you get life? Would you trust John the Baptist to answer the question, where can you get life? John 1, verse 6. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness that tells about the light. The one, the one, we know he's Jesus, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The one, the light that brings life to everyone. The light that brings life to everyone is coming to the world. But, John, but Jesus had a second comment on that day to those two followers. Come and see. What you want will ultimately be determined by what you're looking for. So Jesus says, come and see. What you're seeking is what you will ultimately find. So today I'm going to ask you a question. What do you want? 
You see, the answer to that question is actually already being answered by what you're seeking. How do I know that? Because Jesus, the Word, in Luke chapter 11 says this, So I tell you, keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Seek, knock, and ask. Seek, knock, and ask. Actually, you don't know it, but every day you're doing those three things. You're seeking, and you're knocking, and you're asking. I am too. The question is, what are you seeking, what are you knocking, what are you asking for? What do you want? What do you want? So how did these two Jesus, John followers turn Jesus followers answer the question? Before I read it to you, I want to ask you a question. What are you going to do with what you're looking for when you find it? Some of you right now are pursuing certain things in life. And can I just stop you for a moment and say, what are you going to do with it after you get it? That thing that's taking up so much of your time and energy and effort, what are you going to do with it after you get it? What's it going to do for you after you get it? Keep that in the back of your mind because I'm going to read verse 40. I'm going to introduce the two guys who are with John. They're now going to go to Jesus. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of, those, one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. What's his name? Andrew. He's Peter's brother. Okay? Andrew. Andrew did something after he heard that Jesus was the Lamb of God. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon. Why? I got to tell him. Because I just found the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So Andrew goes to tell Peter, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Why did Andrew go and find his brother? Anybody want to guess? Why did Andrew go and find his brother? When you find what you want, when you find what you're looking for, you're going to tell others, come and see. I'm going to say it again. When you find what you want, when you find what satisfies the depths of your own soul, you're going to tell somebody else, you've got to come see this. Go to verse 42, next verse. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus says, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The Holy Spirit, now look at the chain of events. The Holy Spirit revealed to John the Baptist that Jesus was the Messiah. The Holy Spirit has come upon Jesus when John the Baptist baptized him. The Holy Spirit is now leading Jesus to pick the disciples that will follow him all the way to Calvary and the empty tomb. He just caught Andrew and his brother Peter, and now the next day, here it comes, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel. Do anybody see what's going on? Every time somebody sees Jesus, they go find somebody else to go see Jesus. He goes and gets Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Jesus finds Andrew, and Andrew finds Peter, who finds Jesus. 
Jesus then finds Philip, and Philip finds Nathaniel, who finds Jesus. But not yet. That's about to happen. Next verse, verse 45. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth? <laughs> it evidently wasn't a good thing to be from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see. For yourself, Philip replied, as they approached Jesus, He's looking at Nathanael. Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked Jesus. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Now, now you're Nathanael. What did that just do to you? Can I, can I do modern? Whoa. What? I saw you under the fig tree before he found you. Whoa, you can do that? Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. That's all it took. Just tell him he's under a fig tree. He says, I'm in. I'm in. I can see you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I saw you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than this, Nathaniel. Then he said, here comes, here comes the highlight today for me. This is it, right here. This is it, this is it. i tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open. And the angels of God going up and coming down on the Son of Man. The one who is the stairway. Between heaven and and earth and you're excited because I saw you under a fig tree Jesus says you ain't seen nothing yet Nathaniel what are you looking for come and see what are you afraid of have you seen him I'm going to tell you something. Listen carefully, church. He is the stairway to heaven. And there is no other set of steps. He's it. He's life. Nathaniel's pumped up because Jesus saw something. And Jesus says, no, no, you're not getting it. I am the stairway to heaven. Has the Holy Spirit revealed him to you? Maybe that's happening right now. I'm going to tell you that he is the one, he is the stairway that enables you and I to look at God the Father and call him Father. He is the one who will enable us to enter the presence of God. He is the steps that walk from earth to heaven. He's it. And, and if you, once you get it, you're going to tell somebody about it. Yeah, you will. John the Baptist shared it. And the two guys that were following they started following Jesus. You can't, you can't hold this in. Andrew found it and he went and told Peter. Philip found it and he went and told Nathaniel. I found it and I'm telling you. Come and see. What are you looking for? 
I love this scene because it's representative of the skeptical and doubting heart of man. Verse 45 and 46, I want to read it one more time. Philip went to look for Nathanael and he told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip exclaimed. I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. What are you afraid of? So I'm, I'm going to visualize today, Jesus says, come and see. Hey, hey, come and see, come and see. What are you afraid of? I want to tell you, I'm going to be real honest, I, I had this idea. I grew up in a church and I saw a bunch of missionaries go to mission fields. And I always figured that the moment I said, okay, I'm going to come and see, I'll end up in a hut in Africa. Because everybody I knew up to that point, when they came to see, he sent them to a hut in Africa. So there was this kind of reluctance to come and see because I think on the other side of that's a hut in Africa. What are you afraid of? I'm going to tell you what. If the hut in Africa shows you the stairway to heaven, go to the hut in Africa. Because what are you looking for? It's called life. There's a stairway to heaven. Don't be astonished by the look. Listen. There's a stairway that leads to God. There is one who offers you and I the opportunity to call him Father. And then he turns and looks at us and says, you're my son. You're my daughter. What do you want? What do you want? That's what he said. What do you want? Come and see. There's a hope. There's a hope in our soul. It's satisfied only by the knowledge of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you have that hope today? Would you be honest with yourself? Is that your hope today? He offers it to you. The invitation to Christ is open. Let's stand.